make me feel so young You make me feel like spring has sprung Like the way he's speaking His confidence is peaking Don't like his baggy jeans But I'ma like what's underneath him and Love is a Bethany or B, I am not that B on Tumblr. Hi, I'm Carmen. I'm Kalaneship 2 on Tumblr and I'm Kalaneship on the archives. Well, welcome. Welcome, Carmen. This is your first time on and Yay. we're happy to have you here. So. Yeah, my first time. <laughs> and it's just the first time week in the, in the rewatch. I think that's very funny. Funny coincidence. <laughs> All right, so we're doing trio. And this episode, you know, one thing that it benefits from is the fact that it has only three storylines. And, you Mm -hmm. know, season five kind of decided to pare down, like, season four and season three had all of these plot lines. And it just, at times, often felt very overwhelming. And I think one of the nice things about, especially the second half, post previously on Christmas, group of stories is that they're very uh there's only a couple of plot lines in in the episodes and it gives the episode a room to breathe and mm-hmm. um i just think that's really cool i would agree with that yeah um th- i would definitely agree with that and say that just watching this episode the other day it was like oh this is how like i wish all of the episodes were like this there's three very distinct stories <clears throat> and they all have time to kind of open up and develop and, and finish within this episode. Yeah, I've I've always liked it when when the the episode had kind of a, of an overall theme, and mm-hmm. all the storylines were uh, connected to that theme. Like in the trio, it, it's as well, and I always like that if mm-hmm. it's like that. Yep. So. Trio of stories, trios, and each of the. Trio stories. Oh, okay. Will so, and Emma becoming a trio. Yep. Well, let's yeah. Let's start with um, Will and Emma and the baby and their big story. We really 
don't get a lot of will in this season, which is probably a blessing. Um, mm-hmm. But they kind of are like, you know, and I was trying to think, I don't know if we've really seen Emma since the quarterback. Um, she's no. now kind of a guest star in the show. She um, is. I. Um, it says in the credits, um, guest starring uh, Jama Mays. Mm-hmm. So she's not even in the opening credit, like the, you know, the credits anymore. Yeah. She's just a guest star. Um, so she's, yes, they are deciding to have a baby. And can we take a second about how these two teachers decide to have sex in the, their school? Ugh. And didn't they just give that bathroom to, uh, to Unique <laughs> to <did>. use? <laughs> like, ew. Yeah. Ew. Um, and it's the same bathroom Blaine will go in later in season six. Oh, yeah. yeah. The faculty bathroom. Oh, how is yeah. that? Yeah. Mm, yuck. Um, <laughs> Couldn't they find and a they closet? It. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, they, they are trying to have a baby. And I, I don't want to get too much into this plot line. But, like, the, the sh- you know, Emma is not getting pregnant. And then... The whole conflict here is that, you know, they want to get pregnant. And then instead of Will talking to Emma about, you know, maybe there's some issues in the bedroom. Maybe we need to relax. Maybe he gets advice from Sue and Coach. Beast. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Also, just throwing this out there. And I don't want to get too technical because it is Glee and you have to take it with whatever. That's not how any of that works. You're not fertile for a specific period of time. You're fertile for days. Like, you're the days. You don't have to do it right then. Well, you you know can what I, wait until you get home. You know what I was thinking about when, when I was rewatching this? I'm like, this is a bunch of male writers trying to write about mm-hmm. pregnancy. <laughs> I mean, what do they really know? I mean, how many of these Well, people? I mean, to be fair... Ryan has to know something because he had a surrogate. So, like, and you have to know when they're, t- oh, whatever. I don't want to get too, like I said, I don't want to get too far into it. But suffice to say, that's not how that works. And you definitely can't, like, once you miss that window, you have to wait a whole other month. It's not like the next day you can start trying again. Well, not to mention yeah. she's like, oh, I'm suddenly pregnant. And it takes a few weeks before you to get an right. accurate positive or negative but it's okay she's gonna be pregnant for a whole year so (laughs) right (laughs) and then the baby's gonna be like two that's that's something i wanted to know because space often you have um made a a a timeline yeah for season and um in the beginning of the episode they say it's two weeks before graduation right so when would that be in america in May or in June? It would be in, in late May. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of American high schools, their seniors graduate the second full weekend in June. Or more so, like, if June 1st falls on a Tuesday, that upcoming weekend is usually when they graduate. Mm-hmm. And so then... In, oh, sorry, what? Beginning of June, then. The beginning of it June, would, yeah. Ah, yeah. uh, okay. Yeah. Ours was usually the actually the end of May, okay. like um, because when ugh, this doesn't really matter. But when I, where I went to high school, seniors don't have to take finals, so like 
the seniors would graduate and then the rest of the school would have finals. So like they would have their finals the first week in June and we would gra- we graduated the weekend before. Yeah, it's usually around Memorial Day to that mm-hmm. first weekend in June. Right. Uh-huh. Or that last because, weekend in May. Because the baby is born at uh, Rachel's opening night, um, which is opening night. the next which March. Is in- <laughs> March uh, or even April. Yeah. Like it's April. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Maybe think, no, and you know, and it's you can't even say that that last scene is a flash forward because they frame it that they're going to nationals. So right, yeah. they're he's yeah. packing for nationals. <sighs> and it's it's like you said before. They she has a they try it because it's the vertical time. Then she has a negative pregnancy test so it must be at least two weeks later then they have whatever in between and then she is pregnant so it must be at least six or eight weeks in an episode that goes for five days yep or right whatever <laughs> so <laughs> yeah crazy gold star on that one Glee. um <laughs> okay, i did that as well uh, with with will and and um in, in, in season one, when Will tried to have a child with, what was her name? Terry. Terry. Terry, yes, Terry. thank you. They did that. Uh, it was the same. It was one episode, and they, I, I think she had three pregnancy tests in one episode or something. Yeah, so well, it that's was during the, the sex yeah. montage that they had. <laughs> <laughs> during Acapellas, I think. I don't remember. But. Yeah. Yeah, no, this, they don't always, I, I mean, Glee is definitely not a rea- reality-based show, but sometimes it's a little ridiculous. You can't even believe right. your beliefs. Um, right. And it's kind of sad in a way, because you could tell that this plot line is kind of put in there for obligatory purposes. They want to check mm-hmm. off boxes on the Will and Emma checklist, and they got Before. them married, and so let's have make them have a baby. Right. So. Right. Because there's and because they're not going to be in the series anymore. Well, I mean, in the season anymore, I guess I should say after the in the next couple of episodes. So it's like we got to get this done right now. Yeah. I mean, they could have just mentioned. It. I don't know why we needed to have an entire plot line of them doing that, but. <laughs> I mean, part of me thinks it's probably because they were trying to give something to Matthew Morrison. Like, you know, he didn't have anything to do. So they were trying to like, well, you can do this and we'll give you a song and, you know, whatever. Which, by the way, I actually love the song. Danny's song is one of my favorite songs. My dad used to sing it to me when I was little. And I love Matthew Matthew Morrison's cover of it. Um, I just wish it wasn't in this plot line. (laughs) Because I don't like the plot line at all. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you guys what you thought about that sequence where they're, like, getting the house ready, and apparently this is relaxing to Emma. Um, <laughs> they're getting well, the- I mean, to be fair, it, it could probably is. You know, she likes organizing and getting things done, and so she probably is kind of relaxed by that. I was kind of skeeved out that she's wearing the same outfit she wore, like, whenever she, quote-unquote, gave him her virginity, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, oh. that like yellow frilly 
Chetty thingy that she's wearing. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, she wore that same thing. Well, that's a pleasant reminder, but let's not talk about Nashville. <laughs> You're <again>. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> if I have to know it, you have to know it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, the purpose though, is that, that, you know, things are changing and their little duet becomes a trio and Will gets to have this, you know, gets to have a kid because he's always, you know, and really he always wanted a kid. I mean, there, a lot of season one was about him wanting a kid and Finn was kind of a surrogate child to him in a lot of ways. And so I right. get it. I do think it, it makes sense that they would go this route with this character. But I, since we've been so removed from Will and his story, it does feel a little like, well, let's give Will an obligatory storyline. Right. And, you know, how do I want to put this? My biggest issue with Will is I want, I want to feel for him and I want him to to have stories that are good for him because I remember what it was like in season one when I actually cared about him. But every time they do, they make his story so creepy is the only way I know how to put it and inappropriate that I I can't. I cannot root for him. So I want to be able to, but I can't. And that's kind of how I felt with this episode too. Like, I want you to have a good story, but I don't care about this because I don't care about you basically yeah i'm not sure if i put that exactly the way i wanted to but that's kind of where i'm going with that that's sad if, if there are characters you you like or you think you could like and then they have those horrible storylines mm-hmm. yeah well carmen did you have any other notes um about this particular plot line before we move on um, I just had, um, the note that Sue is very mean to Emma and to Beast, uh, in everything she says about conceiving and, and birth and everything, like, like she insults them so badly. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't like Sue at all in this season. And season six is, again, yeah, but, but season five is... I don't know. It's just horrible. Yeah, we didn't really need that elongated sequence where she explains how Michael Bolton apparently no. got her pregnant, that they're going to just retcon away in season six anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because they really don't mention ever that Sue has a daughter, but um, thanks, Glee. Um, <laughs> so... I do have to say that Becky sitting traumatized in her office was hilarious. Like, and like the whole spiel that Sue gave, I mean, while it was a little inappropriate, a lot inappropriate, she's like, and Becky Jackson will forever be traumatized. And then it shoots to Becky and she's just sitting there like, oh, like that is the exact same reaction I would have. Yeah, we can bring this whole conversation full circle and say that, you know, teachers should not be having sex in the school. That no. Know. Ever. Never, or ever, least, ever. Or at least lock the door. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but <laughs> nice probably not even thing, ever. But, oh, man. All right, so. And he's leaving his class. That's the thing. Yeah. He's, he, he's, he's just leaving class. Oh, yeah, let's talk about the fact that she says she's pregnant right this second, as if, like, 
<laughs> like, that's not how it works either. Yeah, like, well, she's ovulating is basically what she's saying. And I'm like, that's not how that works. Yeah, I'm ovulating at 2 o'clock, but I only have between 2 and 4, so. Um. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But they don't have sex ed classes. That's why they don't know about those things. <laughs> right. <laughs> Stupid American school system. Uh, yeah, you said that. Uh, yeah, we did. <laughs> I can. I was. I went through it. It's I would dumb. Um. So anyway, um, we can move over to the Lima story and. Uh, we start off um, with a trio of Sam and Blaine and Tina, and they are singing the song Jumpin' Jumpin' just for the heck of it. And mm-hmm. what do you guys uh, think of this performance? I like it. I like it a lot. It's so energetic and fun, and you see that they're really having fun. The thing that trouble it tro- not trouble me it, it doesn't trouble me but the thing i don't like is um the the um the way sam looks oh his hair <laughs> his, his hair the, the 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 sequence when he's in the gym he has this uh, like ponytail and half of the hair <laughs> out and it looks so terrible and if you have him Next to Blaine, you know, Blaine is so dapper, the red pants, the red shoes, the red bow tie, the gelled hair, and then next to him, Sam. He looks like he has slept under the bridge or whatever. <laughs> he really does look like he slept and then rolled over and went to school. <laughs> which, to be fair, a ponytail in his hair. Which, to be fair, is totally like a teenage boy would do, but yes, at the same time, absolutely. You could tell, like, we're getting to the point where Cord and Darren don't really look like teenagers and it's hard to like sometimes uh-huh. when they're going off on this teenager thing you're like okay mr 30 year old right, <laughs> right. but um I, I think it's easy to forget that they're not teenagers so yeah i i hardly think about that mm, yeah. so when i when i see the episodes um oh, what was i gonna say something about sam though Oh, yeah, the, just the fact that it's hilarious to me that they will make his hair a plot point in New New York when they get it cut. <laughs> right. right. Oh, man. Oh, um, man. But, yeah, this, this song's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's not something they say, you know, it's definitely not something for nationals. Um, I right. like that there's this trend in season five that they do this, like, crowd stuff out in the hallways of the McKinley. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's just kind of a, a, a dance number that is meant to be fun. Right. It's not my. I'm. I probably like. Uh, Don't you forget about me more. But this is good. This is good. You know, and we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. But I. Never mind. I'll just not talk about it when we get there. One. Just not. Okay. I'm just not. But that's okay. Um. Uh. <laughs> but we'll talk about that in a second. Um. The. The funny thing is when they're over when it, the song you know wraps up. First of all, I love Unique's comment about, you know, it's a good thing I wasn't in on this because I would have all gone all three on say on everybody. Yeah. And then Kitty. And then Kitty, like, why does everything you say sound like that? <laughs> and She's such a bitch and I love it. Oh, man. But I kind of like, you know, the, the two the newbies aren't really in this episode. They're not really in front mm-hmm. of me as the one before either. And... 
it's you know they made the right choice in giving like unique and kitty these like smaller beats because i think mm-hmm. those are the characters that work more um whereas right. they pushed Ryder and and um jake and marley into the background and it's not a bad thing no i don't think it's a bad thing either um I was going to ask, I didn't watch the episodes leading up to this. I usually do, but I didn't this time. Um, is Did Artie do something that they're leaving him out of? Or yes. is it just a funny In the thing? previous episode is Frenemies, and that's when the Tina-Artie plotline happens. Um, oh, yeah. right. Okay. Yep, so okay. Tina and Artie were, were having their fight over Valedictorian. Valedictorian and um, so they got this huge plotline in it. And that's why you get the feeling that, like, okay, already had his, you know, plotline in the previous chance, episode. Yeah. That's why they're excluding him. Because it is really weird that he is not in, like, this right. plot. Um, I mean, he is the other senior. But, you know, it tells you how much I actually cared about that plotline. Because I completely blacked out. I blocked it well, out. You should I go watch It's actually really it. funny, so you should go back and watch it. But, I will. <laughs> um, it is really funny. Artie has this line, again, math fails, we failed math again, about how a quartet is 25% better than a trio. And uh-huh. I couldn't tell you because it's some weird fraction, but that's not how math works, guys. So. <laughs> right. So. 75% or 25% cannot add up to 100%. It doesn't work like that. Not if you, you have know what I mean? three to begin with. Right. Like, I, I no. I agree. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we have the three of them. And so what do you guys think about Tina? And, you know, through this entire episode, she's very overly emotional. Uh, do you have something to say, Carmen? I feel like I'm leaving you out. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm with you. <laughs> Everything's fine. Okay. I the notes that I have for all the Tina stuff is she's an ugly an ugly crier. That's why what I have <laughs> as, a, as a note. And uh, it's so over traumatic every time she does it, mm-hmm. like falling to the ground. And I don't know. I I kind of am second hand embarrassed every time. She yeah. Does that. She don't know. Yeah, it's the same when when she sings that song when she starts crying during singing. It's oh, yeah. I think it's twice when she does that. It's the same. She always falls to the ground and. I yeah, I don't. Gosh, I'm kind of like it's done for comedic sake. I know, and it, it is kind of funny in that really cringy way. I don't know. I don't. Gosh, I, I don't think like, it lands. Yeah, I, was I like, just don't. I don't think it just she really matter. pulls it off, but I really no. feel bad. Jenna Ushkowitz has got to be one of the nicest people, seemingly, and I always feel bad when I'm always like, yeah, she's not quite there. <laughs> I think she has, she's a very good actress, but she has certain things that she's just not all that great at, and this is just one of those things. She yeah. just can't. It's too, it doesn't land. It's not fun. The funniest part of that is the boys trying to be like, come on, come on. And then, like, um, Blaine, like, why are you laying on the floor? Like, that's what's funny. Hers is like, ooh, it's not quite landing. Jenna, I love you so much, but it's just not working. Yeah. 
that's that's what I think. Yeah. Um, so and the boys, really, the boys are really sweet. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. so concerned and they're they're so helpless. They don't know what to do and they want to help her and they don't know what to do. It's it's really sweet. Well, they but, have. Um, so there is the scene with where they turn on the gowns. And I can tell you, I remember being so excited to see Blaine in a graduation gown because, right. good God, he finally might get out of McKinley. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, been 84 years. <laughs> exactly. Um, but then they, they, you know, they're talking and, and Tina, you know, I can understand Tina getting emotional that they won't talk to each other. I mean, she admits that she hasn't talked to Rachel, but then again, when she were she and Rachel are close, I argue. Um, right. And then he says that uh, that um, Sam doesn't talk to Puck, but again, did they really have a lot of right? And then she says that Sam and Mike were super close, and I'm just like, ah, were they? <laughs> were they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> were <and> they really? <laughs> well, and then. Um, gosh, what brings it? Because I didn't realize just how much they talk about Tina's boobs in this particular. Sam is like trying to comfort her, and he like makes a he like says something about, and your boobs are really great. And then Blaine is like, dude, not the time or inappropriate. And Tina goes, no, I've been waiting for three years for him to notice my boobs. And Blaine's just like, uh, actually he says something about like, I'm going to send a vine to you every week and you can send me a video about soaping your boobs. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's, it's twice. He, He, it's in the hallway when he says something about the boobs and then again with the videos, the soap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. starts it and Tina is, is always ab- absolutely excited about it so. which kind of makes me feel a little cringy but in another way That's, so again I'm pretty sure all males wrote this particular episode yeah um, <laughs> well and I think I don't know I feel like I almost feel like there's this underlining current of be happy Tina that we're like ha- talking about your you know yeah, body like, features it's like whenever, I don't know if I want to go this extreme, but it's like whenever people try to say that catcalling is a compliment. It's not. So stop saying it is. That's the same mentality as this. Like, just because you're comp, quote unquote complimenting me, you're making it sexualized. And that's not a compliment. Yeah. Or in this case, playing it off as a joke. Right. But. So, I mean... The only, I, I, the only cringy. payoff for it is for Blaine to be so disgusted by boobs. Yeah. Which is yeah. Do you guys remember? Well, I don't know. I probably um, there was like they still do it to this day. So it's like Blaine and and straight people, and then he's running down that hallway, oh, <laughs> running away from straight people. Yeah, <laughs> I just think it's funny. Yeah. Uh, the fun thing is he's he's more disgusted by the kissing than. Mm-hmm. The- comes later i know i'm i'm, I'm yeah. too but he's more disgusted by the kissing than by the boob talk and i would expect it otherwise because yeah. i don't yeah the boob talk is much more gross than well but i also think that like i guess like if you were going to go hang out with your friends you don't like 
Sam keeps talking about how unattractive Tina is. Tina doesn't seem to really have any interest in Sam. And you go out and you have your fun time platonically. And then, you know, your own significant other is like a thousand miles away from you. And yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Like, I feel like he, there's an undercurrent of him being a little bit lonely and because he mentions, this is later, but he mentions like how he didn't go bumper bowling with Artie and, kitty because he didn't want to be a third wheel so they're making out all the time and you know whenever you're really missing someone that you want to be making out with that's really hard and so he's like oh I'll go with them and then they start making out like so there's like this undercurrent of him being missing Kurt and wanting to be with him and being a little bit lonely too just for like touch yeah I I completely um, understand that he's not um, happy with them sneaking out and, and oh yeah, uh, out and leaving him alone with Becky because that's yep. the second thing they leave him alone with Becky. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> exactly, that makes it worse. It does. That makes right. it worse. So yeah, let's talk about them um, jumping into the school. Like they break into school, which by the way, because of all of the school shooting stuff, there's no way. There's there no way. Be an alarm at least on that thing. Can I, can I, there I will probably be a night person too. Oh, what were you going to say, Carmen? Can I just add, uh, it's it's from the, the gown and cap thing. Can I just add that for Germany, it's completely uh, unknown that you have a cap and a gown at your graduation. Oh, so really? Really? So what do you guys do? Yes. Do you guys um, just dress up? Or? Dress up, yeah. For the graduation ceremony, you just dress up. So the, the guys usually wear a suit and the girls uh, dress. And they just dress up and... Yeah, well, and they mean it. Throw in the air when you're done. Um, that was a complete joke. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was I was totally joking. I to completely understand. Yeah, it actually was, ours was it, outside, it was. so we threw silly string too. Oh, that's cool. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I actually, I actually googled it because I I wasn't sure about German tradition. And I found that that uh, they uh, at universities for the yeah. students they have their graduation. It was common in Germany as well. Oh. Um, and in the six, 1960, there was a student movement where the students um, went to they they had demo demonstrations on the streets against um, you know uh, it was a student activism. And they, they fought against old-fashioned um, things, against, you know, the old um, Nazis the, that were still in in high positions and everything. Uh-huh. And um, there was a student movement in the 60s. And after that, those traditions um, were put away. So oh. after that, there That's were no... It's, it's It's still... Sometimes in in this in 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 some you know like um, if you make your your PhD or something they sometimes have still have this this caps and gowns but not every university and it's not common everywhere so they still have it but hmm. well that's kind of cool so, but, but to see it at a high school um, is very unusual for German eyes. I would say. Yeah, I would say. Wow. Well, that's pretty cool. They decide because um, this is their last hurrah that they want to do something fun. So 
Blaine uses his position as student class president um, to do this lock-in. And then Sue says no because, who knows, because she felt like it and Obamacare. <laughs> and budget cuts. And oh, I don't know what some, budget you would one. need. I don't know what the third one was. Health Security, maybe? Security. Yeah, I think it was a health risk or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's when Tina has her epic... Uh, uh, meltdown, I guess you could say. Um, and at that point, Blaine is like close to done, and he doesn't know what to do. He's just standing there and like I, I, I like at a loss and like looking around and seeing his watching <laughs> as she lays on the floor and cries. Yeah. Oh man. Um. And um. They. That's when they decided you. They decided to sneak in, and that's also that second uh, mention of her boobs when t- when um mm. when um Sam is like, "Do your boobs look a little bigger?" And she's like, "Yes, they do." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Gee, th- thanks. That's great, Sam. So. Right. Um. Yeah. So then they break into the school, and Blaine is in his nightbird costume. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love. I do too. Oh man! Right. He stands up and looks around. Yes, and then just, I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And then Sam flops over and he's like, "Any excuse to wear that costume?" I swear. Well, and then Blaine says, "Well, this is the last time I'm gonna wear it." I'm like, "What the hell? No, you're no." Unless he joins some yes, creepy fetish club. I have the yes, I have the quote: "Last chance I get to put it on, unless I'm in some fetish club." Oh, come on. You're definitely in yeah. some kind of fetish club, Blaine. <laughs> right. But I know there are several fanfics where Blaine and Sam continue this superhero thing in New York. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of Nightbird fics because, come on, <laughs> he looks so adorable in that outfit. He does. I mean, he looks so cute. <laughs> Nightbird. <laughs> Nightbird. You made this a lot harder than it needed to be. I am just saying. <laughs> and why is Strabblecliff appearing before they jump through the window? Oh, you know, that's a nod to the my, almighty Troublecliff, who was um, Finn. And so at first, I don't understand 100% other than they just wanted to do it, but it was a, a nod to Finn kind of being their leader at one point. I think it's also kind of a nod to like those old fashioned Batman um, episodes where they would like switch scenes and it would like do 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 and that, Uh, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it would like fade in and fade out. Yep. And, and because it's the superhero theme. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Um, there, so then they do the song and you know what, I'll let you guys talk about it because I'm, it's not really one of my favorites, but, uh, well, um, I will let people who enjoy it more talk about it. So uh, they do Don't You Forget About Me as a song once they get in. I just think it's cute. It's like them playing around and um, Sam in the cheerleader costume with the skirt is funny. <laughs> um, yeah. And then they're like using the... Um, the fire extinguishers to race down the hallway, which is a totally teenager thing to do, but it's also illegal. So don't do it. <laughs> um, There's also and, you know, that just... moment where like they have, was it Sam who's holding condoms for some reason? Yeah. They're like in Emma's office, I think, cause they're looking at the pamphlets and then Blaine. It's just, that's weird because I don't understand the joke exactly. Like when, 
when Blaine, Blaine and, and Tina, they look at each other and yeah. then Blaine works. And I was thinking, what is this? Does that mean, do we use them? Do you <laughs> use them? So it's, um, yeah. Exactly. Right? Everybody use condoms. I mean, please. I get there's like a menage a trois joke in there, but I yeah. mean, come on. Uh, I don't think it landed. Mm. But I, yeah, I just think it's a cute song. Um, it's very bre- Breakfast Club-esque. Yeah, I and mean, that's the thing. I mean, that song was used at the end of Breakfast Club, and um, Blaine does that whole fist pump thing. That's mm-hmm. and, and a lot of this is, I mean, as Ryan Murphy, we talked about with Ryan Murphy, he likes the 80s and the 80s nostalgia, and this was definitely, mm-hmm. hey, let's, you know, play with the kids inside the school with no adults. Mm-hmm. So you've got this kind of uh, John Hughes feeling to it. So I get the use of the song. And, you know, and in the sequence, I think it is really cute. I just am not a fan of the actual song. So Right. I'm not you sure. Know, I actually watched The Breakfast Club for the, for, for the first time after after I learned about these songs in Glee. Oh, so oh, I didn't really? know the before. <laughs> How did you like about, it? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, let me say, I, I don't get the hype. Okay, I don't either. But you know, about about the movie. The movie is nice, but I don't get the hype. I I don't really get, and I have to wonder. And we probably would need somebody that's considered Gen X from like America and experienced it at the time. But John Hughes did all of these teen movies in the '80s, and people of Gen X just like love them. And I'm, you know, I'm not sure. I'm just a little too young, so right. I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I the, show my age. This movie came out the year I was born, and my parents were very young when they had me. They were teenagers, and so they were obsessed with it. So like, I saw it probably 18 million times growing up oh my because they loved it. It was a very common movie in our house. Um, as well as Molly Ringwald's other one. It's actually not a John Hughes movie, I don't think, um, where she is a teen mom. But anyway, so, like, I've seen it a bunch of times, and I've read about, like, um, Molly Ringwald said that thing, or she posted that interview um, a couple, a little while ago, and I read that. So, like, I get it, kind of, but I'm not a Gen Xer, so I don't know if I could completely talk about it the way they could but it was a very big thing for that generation because nobody was writing for teens at that point like they weren't they weren't getting their movies and even when they were they were like cautionary after school special stuff it wasn't Brady Bunch or something yeah and so like even though they're super flawed and they're very there's no like um what's the word I'm looking for, diversity in them at all, that generation really, you know, identifies with them because there was nothing else for them to identify with. And that was, John Mm -hmm. Hughes was the first person to really get in there and talk about them a little bit. Yeah, So I get it, but I don't know if I can act, because I don't, like, didn't experience it in the same way. I don't know if I could completely talk about it the way it would probably somebody else would be able to better. I, I would say mine would be, like, if I talk about Saved by the Bell, and I don't expect anyone who was not, like, a preteen at the time that was coming out to actually understand why that is enjoyable, because it's not really a good show at all. Um, but that just happens to be my first interaction with teen culture was through Saved by the Bell, and so, um, yeah, that just... You know what just popped into my head, though? Hmm. So, that movie 
did for Gen X what Glee kind of did for that for its, for its generation. Mm-hmm. It wasn't perfect. It's not. It's flawed in lots of ways. But it was the first show that really went dug in and showed you, you know, characters of different sexual orientations and different gen. You know what I mean? Like, well, and really that- started with that. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I think each generation kind of had their own thing because, like, yeah. my age or even our age a little bit had Dawson's Creek, and that was its own, like, you know, right. thing. So, like, I think each group of teenagers as they go on, um, at least in America, have um, these, like, icon, pop, I, pop, pop culture icons that you can relate to. I don't know, mm-hmm. Carmen, what do you, like, did, do you, does it happen the same way in Germany, or did you have a different experience, or would you like to comment on that a little bit? Um, you mean, you mean the, the movies? Well, I mean, like, for, um, do, just for. Do, do teenagers in Germany, do they go, do they have, like, different eras of stuff that they latch onto? Or, like, did your, um, when you were a teen, did you latch onto something specifically? You know, I think it was a very boring teen. I'm oh. not so sure. <laughs> it's okay. But I was... Uh, on the on the height of the of the coolness um, um, range, um, I'm not sure about that, but um, yeah, I think there were. You know, I might be Generation X. I'm I'm not quite sure how you how you um, uh, or where we label label it. How you label it? Yeah. So, but I didn't watch the movie as a teen. I watched it as a as a 50 year old woman. So. That may be why I have a different oh, <laughs> experience watching right. it. So if, if I had watched it as a as a twenty year old girl, so maybe maybe I, I would have been excited as well. I don't know. So um but I'm I think the the TV shows are generally are, are very different in Germany from, from TV shows in America. So maybe um, we we don't have that much, or we didn't have that much series as you have, mm-hmm. uh, and and those long time series with with you know like seasons and seasons six seasons seven seasons ten seasons that's not so very common in German. It mm-hmm. it, it starts now a bit, but it, it wasn't years ago. So uh, that's a, a different experience. Of course, now you can ha- you can watch everything on 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 uh, you know with with uh, those um, streaming. Oh, like Netflix and that kind of thing. Yeah, you can you can watch everything, but um, yeah, it's, I'm 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 not the the best person to ask about you know those pop culture trends and things, but. Um, yeah, of course there are there there are things that you know. Like sometimes, if if I think about movies that I loved as a child or as a teenager, and I watch them now, I think okay, yeah, they are nice, <laughs> but I, I don't get I don't get what, what what I was excited about twenty years ago. So you have if you have a teenager and you watch that something, you have a very different. Um, you have a very different feeling to it because mm-hmm. you're so young, because it's new, mm-hmm. because you don't have uh, the experience you have later. So, and if you watch it later, you say, "Okay, <laughs> this is a 
bit boring or whatever. So, so maybe it's the same with this movie. So it, it's a difference if you if you've watched it for the first time when you were young, and in that part of that decade or whatever, uh, then if you watch it with forty or fifty years. So. Oh yeah, you know. And they said there's some research, and I wish I had a source. I'm always bad about sourcing, but I swear this was a scientific study that was legitimate, not some random post on Facebook um, <clears throat> that talked about how you as a teenager because of the chemical makeup of that of who you are at that time period you latch on to those experiences very hard and they are ones that burn in your memory mm-hmm. quite so yeah so yeah you may have like a really like me watching say by the bell as a young child or not a young child but like that middle like 12 year old person you know, I had a, a reaction to that that really stuck in my brain. And, yeah, I go back and I'm older and I'm like, oh, my God, this is so bad. But it has a special place in my heart. And I, I feel like, you know, we can translate to Ryan Murphy is living out his teenage, you know, life, um, putting in all of these 80s references. And and The Breakfast Club was definitely something that influenced him as a, probably as a filmmaker, too. And so there we get yeah, for sure. um, this kind of stuff within Glee, which I do think is cool. Whether I like the performance or not doesn't really matter. It's, it's kind of like, oh, this is what they're doing. They're doing an homage to Breakfast Club. And this is definitely, you know, a, a, just a nod and a wink to people of, uh, he, who grew up in that particular um, time period in a particular place and time. Right. And like we've said before that, a lot of Glee is meant for that age group anyway. Like, it's not really meant for the younger viewers. Because the jokes that they tell are meant for the older. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's still at the same time as we were talking about a little earlier, too, though, that there are stuff for teens as well in the yeah, yeah, aggressive yeah. Of part course. of, like, you know, showing diversity or showing sexuality, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah. Completely. But I, I agree. Like- but, but I like how they do the montage of the scenes with oh, yeah. the songs, mm-hmm. you know, the chin faces and mm-hmm. and the cheerleading fun. And, and I like that Sam is wearing a, cheerle- a, 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 yeah. a woman cheerleader. <laughs> right, the skirt. Why not? I, always so cute. I, I, I just love it. I think it's hilarious like- that men are... I, hilarious isn't really the right word, but I, like men are shunned from wearing skirts when I think that they would probably be really comforted like to have one right. down there, you know? So I don't see why like, they should have any shame wearing a skirt. So. That's why why Scottish wear wear skirts, yeah, you know? Right. I mean, it's not it's, it's a kilt. You 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 should never say skirt to the to oh, what yeah. they're wearing. But but it's that's why they wear it. And I think that there are not many people in the world where the men wear kilts or, or similar things but where they do they're very proud of it so the, <laughs> it's it's not just tradition if you if you go to scotland and you are on a sunday you you drive through a village you can see the scottish man go to church with a kilt mm-hmm. so they really wear it as a as a dress when they dress up so they wear the traditional combination like like kurt did in the mm-hmm. in, in prom queen Prom queen with yep. that with that jacket, that short jacket, but of course they wouldn't wear pants under it. They had, you know, you would see their naked knees, and they had <laughs> the high high socks and mm-hmm. and and shoes, and it's very traditional. But yeah. you can see that today on the streets, they they're wearing it. They're very uh, proud of of their tradition. So yeah, wow, yeah. 
Yeah, my grandpa wore a kilt every Sunday. Yeah. So you're Scottish? Mm-hmm. Ancestors or uh-huh. ancestors? Yeah, my my family came over from Scotland. On my dad's side, early, like early 1800s. Oh, okay. That's quite a time. Yeah, they've been here a long time. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, they've been like they were very traditional up until up until my dad and my uncle. Really, they don't really. Because they, it's a long story, but basically they kind of took over my mom, my grandma's side of the family and not really my dad or their dads. Uh-huh. But yeah, I have a very Scottish last name and. All right. Well, let's get back into the episode. Um, Becky comes and crashes their fun time with all of her twister and five hour energy. <laughs> Guys, don't drink that much five hour energy. Oh my that God. Really no, you'll have a heart you. attack. It will kill you. Your heart will beat too fast. It's actually a thing that happens. Do not do yeah. it. Yeah, it's very. I mean, it was dangerous. crazy when they had her like later on with all the bottles that are empty, and you're like, no, I'm sorry. That's not a thing. She would be in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Is this the nurse? And I really wonder why they did that. Why they did that thing with Becky? Yeah. Did they only I mean, did. To give Sam and, and, and Tina a chance to sneak mm-hmm. off. Yeah, well, I mean, it was definitely yeah. a plot point in order to get Sam and, and uh, Tina out of there. But, I, you know, this whole season, I think one thing that I'm not really fond of is the change of Becky. And I don't think that, uh, how do I put this? Like, I, I think it's fine for her to have flaws and for her to be not a great person. I mean, you can show different aspects to different people with Down syndrome. That's fine. But, like... Yeah. Just her constantly just calling everybody bitch every five seconds is mm-hmm. not funny after a while. It's really not. And uh, it's just, an, uh, I don't know. I agree. It's not funny. Yeah, it's not funny. It's The only excuse is to give Sam and Tina a chance to sneak out and to, to have her slap Blaine's butt. That's the only thing yeah. that comes out of, of Becky being at school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm wondering how long, like, Blaine... And, so I'm guessing Sam and Tina, like went out or something like they stopped playing the game why Blaine continued to play Twister with Becky for so long I mean I know she said she was going to call the police but after like five energy drinks it doesn't seem like she's acting more like she's drunk than if she was on five hour energy so well Wiki says that she is um crap I just read it and I was like really says that she is aroused both from being that close to him and due to the copious number of energy drinks she consumed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I would say that. I don't know if energy drinks make you aroused, but whatever. Yeah. Or even if that was the joke that they were going for. Yeah, I think she was she was just being Becky. <laughs> the only thing I agree with Becky is when she says, I hate Sam's haircut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing I agree with her. I mean fair. That's yeah. a fair assessment. Um, so then Blaine goes to find them, and he sees them making out. And it's, I like that the way they edited this, that it, it was gross. Or at least I found yeah. it. I was like, ugh. Ugh. Ah, of course. I mean, yeah. I think that really if you watch somebody actually making out, it, it's not pretty. It's, it's really not. And, like, we've all, I mean, I'm sure we've all been in those situations where, like, friends are making out, and, like, you can hear them, and you're like, ugh. 
Stop. You're so gross. So Blaine's reaction yeah. is definitely my reaction as well. Yeah. <laughs> Even the running away? <laughs> well, maybe not the running away. Let's welcome uh, Perfect Anomaly onto the podcast. Um, so, hi. Welcome to the podcast. Um, thanks for joining us. And it's a little bit late and probably, I'm sorry for giving you a wrong time if I give you wrong time too. So I feel bad. But <laughs> it's probably me who mixed up, but yeah, it's um, okay. But I'm glad, you, I'm glad you got to join us in. Um, we're, we're currently talking about Sam and Blaine and Tina and um, we're to the part where they are, Sam, uh, Sam and Tina are making out. But um, did, was there anything that you wanted to add about the plot line that was like before? Or did, was there anything that you wanted to um, touch upon that we might have already talked about? Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I, I'll just start from here, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So um, let's, let's back up our discussion just a little bit. Um, so Blaine goes in and he finds Tina and Sam making out with each other. And he's completely grossed out by it. Um, <laughs> As were we all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, it is shot really grossly. Like, it's meant to be funny. It's not meant to be, like, one of those, like, passionate kisses that you, like, that's romanticized. It's really kind of just, like, eating each other's faces. So. Right. Uh, I just, uh, they're in the astronomy club or the astronomy room, aren't they? I think mm -hmm. that's, like, the romantic... Uh, I don't know, uh, Lover Cave of McKinley. Oh, you know what? <laughs> right. That's where, you know, that's a good point. Sam proposes to Quinn in there. Maybe he brings all the girls, and Brittany. Maybe he brings yeah. all the girls to the astronomy. Yeah, and I remember in um, Never Been Kissed, uh, I think uh, Tina and Mike were making out. Right. I think yeah. it's like. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> You're right, though. <laughs> I think Adi and Kitty at one point uh, are in the yeah. astronomy room as as well. Yeah, that's right. In, in the Valentine's episode. Oh no, oh, it's, it's not. It's not the first one. It's it's, it's <laughs> in yeah. It's in the beginning of season five. Five when yeah. they come together. Yep. Might be love, love, love. It is love, love, yeah, love. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very high. This um, means that drive my car with a yeah. drive my car. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I just this remember that's that also we, the room that um, when the Glee Club is broken up and Sam's like, I'm going to sit under Uranus and um, Blaine <laughs> and Tina laugh at him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, and, and Blaine, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, we mentioned that Blaine, you know, he wants to do things with his friends because it's the last time. He wants to help Tina because he likes to help Tina. But also he's probably feeling a little bit lonely I mean he doesn't have Kurt around and and so to watch these people be making out when he just wants to have like a friendly platonic you know time away can be right. horrifying um so uh, there is a mention of Nurse Penny here too I wanted to point that out because apparently like <laughs> they dropped the whole Nurse Penny thing after the second episode or fourth but episode. Sam is still seeing her inexplicably yeah um so but that I mean the only thing that Blaine says is what about nurse Penny and um and uh he doesn't really say anything about it and that I'm assuming that's the it's in that glee fashion of this is how they do 
the end of their stories lines. What about this? Oh yeah, we're never going to talk about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we're also later going to mention that we never talked about it again so that you can remember that we never talked about it again <laughs> and we're making a joke out of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so then the next day they go to confront him and that's when Blaine gets very upset about it. Um, he is super sassy pants. He is. Um, I, I do think it's funny that Sam and Tina are like, we're back to finding each other not attractive. It's just something <laughs> we had to get out of our system. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, what okay. I meant with, with, with why, why did I do this in the first place? Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's just, it, it's as if they needed something to fill the time of the episode. I, I don't know. Well, I think it was... They wanted to, to make it be funny, but I think that, like, the, they were trying to say... Well, first of all, this is... Tina's the only girl that Sam has not made out with, so I think that might have been mm-hmm. part of it. Um, but I also think that... Well, the, at this point, he makes out with Rachel later, but he oh, hasn't yeah. at this point yet. It's true. I, I kind of think that um, it's just one of those teenagery things that, you know, you're... It, it was something that, like, they're going to be graduated soon, and they're going to go off on their own ways... And let's just have a final hookup to say that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's Which is absolutely a thing that happens. Yeah. Um, I wonder if maybe maybe Jenna and Court had a conversation about, well, we were the only one who didn't make out. So <laughs> I get if they could that. write a scene for us. We just want to make, out. make out. <laughs> right. I mean, I wouldn't 100% rule it out. You never <laughs> That's you know, a very possible thing. As a thing side note, Amber Riley, though, famously said, she's like, I am not doing a love scene with any of those guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she did kiss Sam quite That's a bit, true, though. true, but yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, I love Blaine's yeah. reaction, though, in that he's like, um, you know, I could have been bumper bowling with Kitty, and you know how much I love uh, Kitty and Artie, and you know how much I love bumper bowling. Love bumper bowling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what bumper bowling is. Oh, really? What it, no. Okay, I, maybe that's interesting, because we have a little, um, bumper bowling here. It's, okay, so if, you know, bowling, it's just regular bowling, and you put these rubber tube-like things inside where the um, where the edges are, so you know how if you roll and then the ball, like, goes into the, like, side part of it? The gutter, yeah. Yeah, the gutter. Um, they put it on there. Usually it's meant for kids, but, um, anybody that wants to do bumper bowling, and, and they put the rubber mats there so that the ball will hit the rubber mat thing and bounce back into the lane and you, you'll still knock down pins. Okay. Yeah. We have that for kids, but it's not called bumper bowling. They just like, it's weird. They like lift this thing. It's like a little fence. They lift up. Oh, interesting. It's hard to explain, but it's not, they don't like adults don't do it. It's only for kids. <laughs> I, I just oh, oh, sorry. I just wonder if uh, I don't know if you discussed discussed this earlier, but the um, the uh, break in sort of in McKinley that's that's not the thing people do. Or I remember no. in my um, last year of high school, we sort of camped outside of school for several days, uh, and yeah, just. Well, used the showers in the um, uh, the locker rooms and so on. So and we sort of, I don't know, just went around inside the school uh, in the evenings and 
and then sort of a celebration a goodbye thing so i i, I don't know it, of course this one seems um to be like a criminal offense. It is. And uh, like, we, we, there are things called lock-ins that they do where teenagers mm-hmm. can, with a faculty member, um, be in the school after hours. And sometimes there are all-nighters, but um, that's very heavily supervised. Uh, breaking in, especially with all the school shootings that happen in America, um, oh, yeah. the uh, schools all have alarms. Um, you have to have, like the teachers have passcodes they have to use. Um, there's usually mm-hmm. a security guard or a policeman that watches it, um, or at least, you know, is around, um, after school. Um, and usually even the janitors aren't allowed to stay past a certain point. And it's very, there's a lot more security than them just breaking in. But definitely. Yeah, when oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that, yeah, it's definitely, um, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was just going to say that, um, yeah, we did a theater lock-in every year. So I stayed in the lock-in all four years and it's, it's not like you are only, you have this so much space you can go around in and you're not, it's not like free reign of the whole school. And then, um, but there's parents and, or I guess there wasn't parents, but there was definitely faculty and, uh, theater directors and stuff like that. So we basically just had the theater and then, um, the building that our, cause our school was multiple buildings. So like the building that the theater was in, we could stay in that building, but nothing else. Okay. And, and the point is how did they get out of the school again? Because the, the windows are that, that high. And did, did they, they stay at school until the next day and just, um, <laughs> Did we waited not- in the classroom for the first for the first period, or I, I don't know. And what happened with Tabeki? I mean, did they just leave her? <laughs> right, and Blaine ran away. So did he run away <laughs> away, or did he run away to another classroom until the next day? Like maybe he oh. locked himself in in another <laughs> classroom. So hopefully not the faculty bathroom. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh man. Well, at least it showed that no, night that. He was in the faculty bathroom for the first time in season six. So that is true. So yeah, and then uh, so that yeah, the next morning is when Sam, or, sorry, when he talks to um, Sam and Tina, and he's all mad still, and he runs away again. And then I, I love how he leaves the scene. He's like, "Okay, why don't you guys, you know, fondle each other's boobs <laughs> or, whatever. <laughs> or whatever?" Again, boob talk. <laughs> So you guys and your gross talk. boob talk. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I love Sam's like, well, do you want to? And Tina's like, no. <laughs> right. Oh. So. Just kidding. Unless you want to do it. <laughs> um, and then there's the, but the, after that, it must be the same day, I think. Um, you know, Sam and Tina apologize. And this is where Blaine says that it's just been a really weird and hard year. And when you think of, like, everything that, that Blaine has you know, gone through in, in right? the course of his senior year, it's kind of insane. Um, so I, I think when when I saw that scene, I, I, I tend to forget that season four is also part of the same school. I know. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. so I was like, so you, go, you like, got engaged. And, yeah. But that's only like a very small part of it. So, yeah. yeah. Like Kurt left. They broke up. They hooked up. They had the weird Christmas. Then they hooked up. 
then Finn. Or no, no, then they got back together. Then they got engaged. Then Finn. Well, then there's a school shooting in there as well. Oh, uh, yeah, and there's a school shooting in there, too. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I just, ugh, that's that's more than 10 things. That's a lot. Poor Blaine. Blaine. And he yeah. managed to keep his grades up all, during all of that. So. Yeah. And be in 23 clubs and is the president of the student council. Council. And, oh, my goodness, Blaine. Like, it, it actually, I'm not really, it bugs me when people say that things get handed to Blaine because I don't think it's true. And so it, like, kind of annoys me because I think he works really hard for everything that he gets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. He's a lot of times, and I think it's because of certain fans' criticisms that they're like, Blaine is like Rachel and he gets whatever he wants. And so then the writers who, you know, want to parallel him with Rachel, but I don't think it's necessarily fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so Because Blaine never has been, you know, uh, Rachel gets things handed and the, she, uh, she thinks it's it's the right thing because she just deserves it. And Blaine gets things handed and he's grateful and he still looks at the people around him and thinks about them and sees what they need. And, and that's a, a big, big difference between Blaine and Rachel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's why it's, it's you, you can't just, um, he has so much empathy to, to other people that Rachel hasn't, as we will see in the later part in the other part of the episode. So. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so, yeah. And then that's when um, they kind of make up. And um, we'll talk about the ending song left because it deals with both plot lines. But um, I like that they finally decide to include Artie because Artie is, he says, what does he say? Menage and gross. When they come yeah. Back they're all happy <laughs> Which is again. actually kind of funny. Menage. <laughs> Um, so yeah. Um, so that's kind of the Lima plot line though. Um, and then we go over to New York, which I, maybe it's just my preference. I think this is, uh, it's, it's kind of a fun little thing, but I love Elliot, so. For, for Kurt not being in very much of it, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And that doesn't happen very often. So, um, but let's start at the beginning. We have. Elliot and Rachel, and why is he at Miata? He's dropping off her dry cleaning? I don't remember. Dry cleaning and got her uh, green tea. Green tea, okay. And um, she's practicing. She's got a band on retainer. Oh, my God. Um, And she's practicing. Why is she not practicing at her theater? Um, That is something that I did want to bring up because... In later in season five, Niata's going to be like, you have to choose between these two things. But here, they're clearly giving her perfor- like space to keep rehearsing. That's true. I mean, really, it's just that the show doesn't want to buy, you know what I mean? Like, they oh, already yeah. have this space. Why not use it? But... but I do think the scene is pretty funny, just in how over the top Rachel is in her, like... Mm-hmm. You know, you saved me as I was a person that was homeless, and I came to your house, and then I, you offered me the couch, but I couldn't take the couch. I had to have the bed because I'm like a heroine out of a Tennessee Williams play. And and they they kicked me out even though I chose to leave. <laughs> and that and that dramatic music when she throws herself in Elliot's arms yes. at his door, <laughs> like like in a rom com movie something. Yep. Oh, and did goodness. you realize that? Elliot was sewing when she rang the bell. Yeah, he was like she sewing was something. A sewing machine, and 
when I saw that, I thought, um, Kurt is all the time he's doing, you know, like oh, no. altering Did I get things. Off? And no, why didn't here. they do something with Elliot and 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 Kurt? You know, like uh, thinking about custom choices for the band or something, because they clearly have have uh, a, uh, same the same uh, interests and hobbies. Mm-hmm. So they could have done more more Elliot Kurt. I would have liked more Elliot Kurt. Oh yeah, and you can the, maybe maybe you can guess. <laughs> the <laughs> the uh, previous episode was frenemies, so there was this whole storyline about you know Elliot and Kurt being friends, and mm. you know it's kind of funny. I you get the impression that they, you know, for all of Santana and Rachel's talk, they're far more professional in the, the running this band than mm-hmm. either Rachel or yeah. Santana. Right. Um, but I would have liked I, to see more uh, of, the, of those friendship thing between Kurt and Elliot. You only see the band thing when they are together with a band, but you don't see much of the friendship interaction yeah. between them. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I just want to say that even though uh, the the first scene, well, more or less everything with Rachel and Elliot is, uh, Rachel is very over the top uh, with her mm-hmm. everything uh, melodramatic uh, but I think it's, I think this one is like the good, funny Rachel, yeah. where we sort of, where the um, the writers makes her too much so that we can laugh of her instead of, a lot of the times I feel like they, they expect us to take her super seriously. Mm-hmm. And to me, that doesn't always work because she's uh, not unlikable, but sometimes she can be, uh, selfish and all of those things, but when the the author the writers uh, present it in this way, it's obvious that it's supposed to be comedic. So I, I like the the the, the very um, over the top Rachel, the one we saw a lot in season one, for instance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and mm-hmm. I think this is this is her being uh, a comedic character. So yeah, I, I, even though she's you know the uh, best gay and everything is stupid yeah. and silly, but it's still. I think it's it works in the Glee as a comedy uh, setting. So yeah, I agree completely. I think the scene is hilarious. I do it is, and I do like that Elliot's like I'm not a big fan of the best gay comments. You know, like I, I because just, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Bethany, I just had a thought. Oh no, I was just gonna. Say, I was just gonna say because Kurt's fine. That's a very this is a big thing in fandom that I, I am going to address, and you can totally cut this out, Pam, if you want to. Kurt is okay with her saying best gay. That is an okay thing for her to say to him because that's relationship. But her saying it to Elliot is not okay because he doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like when people get on her for saying that to him, to, to Kurt, that bugs me because I'm like, that's their relationship says that's okay. But her then saying it to Elliot and him then saying, I don't really like that. It makes me feel like a pet. And she's like, Oh, but it's so fun because there has to be a line of like, this is not okay for this person, but it is okay for this person. And it also kind of calls to the fact that she's already really missing Kurt. Yeah. And I agree. But I, I, I also agree in that, like you can't kind of tying into a point that I wanted to bring up. This particular, you know, we're in season five. 
And if you look at New York, you have all of these gay or queer or, you know, characters that are not like, um, they're not, it's not just a show about straight people anymore. Like it was when it, we started mm-hmm. it and it's not, um, how do I put this? Like Kurt being the gay kid in season one was like, you know, he's the gay kid and Mercedes was the black girl and Tina's the Asian girl. And, and now it's not about that. It's about like, we are now in, you know, a the gay show. show. <laughs> it's about, you know, gay characters. And, um, so the narrative is kind of changing and I kind of like that, you know, now we're here, you know, Rachel can talk about uh, having a best gay in Kurt because Kurt is okay with that. But with, you know, when it's Rick Elliot, that's not okay. And not all gay characters or LGBT characters are the same. There's like this vast variety. And I kind of think it's cool that we're now far enough into season five that, you know, it's, you know, we can have these kind of conversations that we couldn't even scratch upon two years Mm -hmm. prior. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's my little comment on that. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but, but I hate how, how she calls Kurt a traitor. That is something that yeah. I don't like at all. Because she says to Elliot, you have done more for me in the past 24 hours than that traitor Kurt Hummel has since graduation. And that is so wrong. Yeah, It's and a I ritualism, hate, though. I hate it. And I, I, uh, I don't like how she treats Kurt. Kurt is so, he, he's not, we, we are not there yet. He will appear soon, but I, I will wait with that comment until, until <laughs> Kurt is <laughs> <laughs> I will wait. That's okay. You can be passionate. That's, I encourage it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, Rachel is, and you know, it's something that I've struggled with with her character. Rachel is a very selfish person. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's played for comedy, sometimes it's more serious. But part of her character shtick is that she puts herself, for better or worse, above everyone else. And sometimes it's frustrating being fans of other characters who get supporting roles and that. Um, but it's also sometimes really frustrating when it's like, okay... I just want you to acknowledge, um, you know, that, you know, these other people have been here for you. You are not the victim that you want everyone to see you as. You are no longer mm-hmm. this season one Rachel that was alone. You have people who care about you. And so, yeah, I can understand frustration. Um, it is all play for comedy here. Um, but, right. yeah. And... Santana does the same thing to Elliot. Yeah, he she calls him a traitor because he's there because Rachel he comes over and she finds out that Rachel's staying at his so. apartment and they don't even know each other. Yeah, we'll, so, we'll put a pin in that because we'll, we'll we'll talk about that scene in just a second. But right. Um. So yeah. Um. What do you guys? Do you guys have any feelings on the the Barracuda performance? Because originally Rachel was like, "Let's do all the funny girl," and he's like, "No." Um, right. Uh, but they do sing Barracuda. So uh, what do you guys think of this performance? Elliot sounds amazing, and I'm yeah. gonna leave it at that. I didn't know the song before, but I love it because I love everything that Elliot is in he's just he's an amazing singer and i love him and he has four songs in this episode and it's great I didn't know but i'm not sure if 
if Rachel, I, I think she's she's better in this song, in this rock song, than she was before in some rock songs she did. So she's better here, I think. But I still don't buy her as a rock singer. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think this, this is a it's uh, very powerful. So I think she pulls it off well way better than a lot of the uh, pop numbers she does yeah. um yeah. so okay. yeah but and um well honestly i, I didn't know who, that um adam lambert was famous at all uh when i watched the <laughs> uh i'd never heard of him I've, yeah so uh and oh. i was like wow he's so, such a good singer <laughs> mm, that was a great you know great cast uh, great casting. So yeah, but uh, he slays this one and all the rock songs. Really. So yeah, it's amazing to listen to him, and I think she does a good performance. Uh, yeah, I um, it's they definitely tailor the songs they give to Elliot to fit that kind of rock mold because that's Adam Lambert's thing, as he does a, a more of a rock setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I do agree Rachel's better than a lot of the pop songs that she usually is on. I mean, she's not, this isn't really her wheelhouse. She is better at Broadway and, um, stuff like that. But, you know, it, at least it's not her singing Britney Spears, so. Right. <laughs> and she, she gets to belt. Yep. So that, that's something she's good at, even though the, the, the genre isn't like her usual wheelhouse so. it's fun to watch they, they're clearly having fun uh, it's a fun to watch song it's not one that I would put on my iPod though so the next scene is yeah when um, Elliot comes over to Santana and I this scene is hilarious to me if only because out of nowhere just because it's something that like my brothers would say to me uh, when he's like I'm just here for El- or Rachel's music and where is it and she's like it's up your butt <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, but not expecting the like childish humor to come out there. But um yeah, it's funny that Santana's like, You're a traitor, and he's like, I barely know you. And right. one of the things that makes Elliot such a great character is the fact that he is the straight man uh playing against all of the crazies. And the fact that, you know, like he comes into this world as a normal person, quote unquote. Um with all of like everyone acting just all Rachel and Santana and even Kurdish, it's it's just very funny to to, right. to watch. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, this this scene cracked me up. J- from her trying to put that weave in her hair to getting all ticked off because Rachel's living with I just laughed. It's just a very like just Elliot's face at like, what the hell did I walk into? What is going on here? It's just funny. It's very funny to me. Yeah. Um, I love that she keeps the yeast stats. Uh, yes. Right. Poster, yes. On poster, poster on the wall. Is <laughs> it's, great. It's, the first, it's the first thing you see in that scene. Yeah. The yeast <laughs> stat. Just, uh, it's the first thing you see. And yeah, it's just oversized. forgot, Santana is doing just like that. Um, right. Oh, God. And got a lifetime supply of it and apparently a poster. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably proud of that, too. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I would be proud of that. Her first commercial, I'd be proud of it. Oh, that's great. 
Um, you know, I wonder if that went up after Rachel moved out. She's like, oh, Rachel's out. I'm going to put up my yeast stud poster. <laughs> well, she's oh, basically moved into her bedroom. Yeah, I bet like, she pulled it off yeah. of, like, the subway. You know how I, I don't know if you guys have ever yeah. been to New York City. Um, but when you go on the subway, there's all of these, like, coasters for ads. Usually a lot of times they're, like, movie posters. But um, there'll be, like, ads for who knows what. And you could basically take one down if you really felt the need. <laughs> so I wonder if right. it's, like, on a subway or something. Oh, oh that's my new favorite headcanon, and I love it. I love that she stole it off a subway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I like that Elliot calls her out, or both of them, and he's like, this is so high school. And, mm-hmm. yeah, she's like, eh, whatever. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I always like when Elliot's like, this is crazy, guys, stop. Right. And then she's like, life is high school. And I'm like, mm, not if you don't want it to be. Like, you make that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have one little, like, complaint about this scene, and that's when Santana goes off about Rachel being fat in high school. Yeah, and I hate it, that. And it does bother me. I can understand, like, from a Santana point of view, just trying to get jabs in at Rachel, but it does bother me just a little bit that, like, to present season one Rachel as, you know, fat is so bothersome to me. I guess. Mm-hmm. So... I completely agree, and I don't like it at all. Especially because she was nowhere near fat. No. So, no. No, I mean, it's just, you know, know, Santana being Santana, but it's kind of like, why even throw that in there when it's obviously not true, or is it a thing to be, like, ashamed about? It just, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think it's still uh, Santana, a lot of her... um, when she's arguing with people or trying to insult them, she uses, um, calls them names mm-hmm. regarding mm-hmm. their physical appearance. Oh, yeah, I know you're good. Uh, yeah. so, so that's like that's something she does, even though I, I hate it too, but I, I still think it's it fits her character. I don't know, she, she probably, like, when she was very angry in season three and closeted in season two and so on, she... Uh, I don't know. I think perhaps her body was something she was proud of. So that was something she could use against others. But so that was always something that she, uh, you know, used on others because she felt better than other people. I don't know. I don't need to justify anything. I just saying that that's like a constant way she uses her wishes, vicious thirds. So (laughs) I think it's just, yeah, yeah, but it's just something she does over yeah. and over from season one on. So, so even though I, I dislike the way she calls her pattern, it's completely non, not true at all. She she insults people from because of their looks. Um, and, yeah, that's just a mean thing she does. And it's, yeah. yeah. I, I, I agree with you. The way she, she insults Rachel is completely not okay. Though it is typical Santana, you're right. But I get where she comes from because uh, I, I I never understood why Rachel overreacted that much because Santana was her understudy. Because having an understudy for uh, support for for a lead role is a normal thing on Broadway. I think it is a normal thing on Broadway mm-hmm. because it is. it is a normal thing in 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 Germany as well for. A musical show somewhere, so you have understudies because the the one person isn't always available, even if it's the star of the show. 
Yeah. So, and, and, and Rachel is the one who's overreacting because of uh, Santana being her understudy. And I get why, why Santana is outraged about Rachel's overreaction. And that's why she gets so mean to her. Yeah, it's something we really kind of sat down with when we did Frenemies in the previous episode, but it's kind of, the the messaging is a little muddled because when we were talking about it then, we said, you know, Rachel completely overreacts. And while we understand that Rachel's had this part and she feels that Santana might be encroaching on her territory, Santana in that episode made no... um, showed no signs of of doing that and she was just trying to take an opportunity and even in this episode she's like I just want an opportunity and now she, I just wanted an opportunity and they rewrite it though you could almost say that Santana is now taking this road because Rachel is now bringing it up but um yeah I agree there's no like Rachel was originally the person in the wrong for overreacting even if you yep. kind of understand why she went that way. But I think it's unfortunate that the show decides to run with it and rewrite history, I guess, or rewrite what they decided to do, and now make Santana, not specifically in the scene, but like moving forward more antagonist, antagonistic towards Rachel because of Elvis. I don't know. It's a little bit... The whole storyline is a little bit muddled, and I think it, it, not that I want to get into this, but um, because Leah and Naya were having issues for some reason, they thought it'd be really fun to play that up in the story, in the show as well. And the result of being the storyline that doesn't quite work when you look at it hard enough. So. I would play devil's advocate and say it, I kind of understood the story in that, A lot of times with Rachel, she's her own worst enemy and she creates some of the drama that she has because she, how do I want to say this? She creates the drama that she has because she's trying so hard to hold on to something. So she perceives Santana as a threat to her, whether or not that she's going, she actually is. And then she creates this over-dramatized situation because she's so against Santana whenever I truly believe that at the beginning, Santana just wanted, you know, like you said, she just wanted the opportunity. But then Rachel is the one who created this whole big thing and got this whole thing going and basically forbid her from doing it and then moved out of the loft because she called him traitor. You know, all that happened in front of me and I'm sure you guys talked about it, but it's like, it's perpetuating this story of Rachel is her own worst enemy. And she's the one who is, you know, speaking this into being because she's fueling it. Now Santana doesn't have, you know, her hands are dirty as well, as much as I hate that. I can't believe I just said that, but like she has her own part in it as well because she feeds into it. And then she's like, well, if you're going to be like this, then I'm going to be like that. And we're just, you know, we'll just have this whole big thing. So like, I do, I do buy it, but I don't necessarily like it. If that makes sense. Well, it works for comedic purposes as we get into like, for example, this next scene coming up, it's when they're in the diner and Santana Mm -hmm. and Rachel kind of put Elliot in the middle of their feud 
and because um, Santana is running lines so that he, she can help uh, Elliot have you know get more money. Um, and uh, how much does she pay for him? To, I don't know. To, to run lines with her because it must be a lot. I want to know how she has that much money. She <laughs> got that money from her mom. Yeah, but that money yet. So yeah, they, we get this diner room scene, and you know, I, I think my favorite aspect of the scene is when the manager guy goes to talk to Rachel, and he's like, "This guy wants to sing us, you guys, to sing a song to his wife named Gloria. What do you think it is?" And she's like, "Happy birthday." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And no, he's like, "No, Gloria," and she's like, "Oh, okay, fine." And then yeah, the the song is is really kind of fun. I think they do a great job with this one. Yeah. I wanted it to be a uh, Gloria by uh, Patti Smith, but uh, <laughs> that's quite another uh, type of song. So yeah, it it wouldn't have fit, but just uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, this one's a fun. It's fun. I like the the kind of just showmanship. Um, and then Kurt's face. This is the first time we see Kurt in the episode. Is actually here, and he's just like. He's just like he's so funny at the beginning of it because he's like I'm not getting in the middle of this I'm not gonna like you know I've already been there doesn't Rachel yeah, call then when, him a traitor again in this scene and then when Sam, when Rachel walks in he goes oh here we go <laughs> <laughs> sorry that cracked me up so but the the facial expressions that he makes during the song are just hilarious so and if you if you if you uh, watch the the scene when they do the song the whole callbacks you know all the patrons are cheering and they're excited and they're happy and they're laughing and singing along and if you see kurt he's the only one who's really who has a very earnest expression and he he watches it and he's he looks like he's hurting while mm -hmm. he while he watches it so he's the only one who is not at all excited with the with the with the performance because he knows what 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 actually happens here because mm -hmm. it's not just a song it's a battle it's a battle between Rachel <laughs> and Santana about Elliot yep <laughs> and he's the only one who who realizes that and who sees that and everybody thinks oh they're doing a happy song yeah <laughs> for this woman's poor woman's birthday and you know <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> I mean, she seemed happy. She got cake. She's probably okay. Um, I love the end when Rachel does that, like, hands-up thing and then, like, Santana tickles her. <laughs> and it runs away. I know, I love it, too. Although my favorite is whenever Elliot is like, and you, Kurt, and Kurt's like, what the hell did I do? Well, it's at the end. So at the end, after, he, you know, they start arguing about who's the better and they try to make Elliot, you know, pick a side. And, and then he's like, Don, he's like, I'm not going to run lines with you. Rachel, I'm not your best gay, but you can say if you still need a place. And Kurt, you know, you got, you know, you're just as bad as the rest of them for letting this continue. And he's like, what? What did I he's do? He's like, hey, what I do? Yeah. Poor Kurt. Poor Kurt. He's he's so trying to be, you know, to 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 um, find peace for for them. I I I don't find the words to to express what I want to say. <laughs> so ah, uh, um, but he's. He's really trying to to not take sides, to to be reasonable and to to find a way for both of them to come together again. And he's really trying and he's so hurting seeing his two friends 
being like that. And then he, he gets called out from Elliot as well. And I think, ah, I, I just want to take him into a hug. I, I just want to give him a hug and say, oh, no, they're all so mean. <laughs> yeah, but... Oh, Can I just, uh, oh, yeah, regarding the performance itself, yeah. I just have to give a shout out to uh, Rachel doing the, um, I don't know what to call it, when she sort of uh, pushes herself to the front with her arms out, like yeah. she does, uh, the Wicked Witch of uh, the West yeah. and popular as well. So she's just like the exact same things uh, several times in this uh, performance and it's, I love that. That's something she just does. She just forces her way to the front. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I, I know she's, she can be awful at times, but I love her when she's like that. It's just Me so, too. Me you too. Know, it, it, um, oh, go ahead. Selfish. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, I agree with you, uh, Carmen. Like, it's not fair that, you know, although I love his little face when he's like, hey, what did I do? But yeah. it does push Kurt. Like, Elliot saying that pushes him to do the, like, family loft meeting. Like, him saying that is like, Elliot, you're right. I shouldn't be putting up with this. We're going to talk about this now. Whether or not it, like, actually does any good, it does push him to do that in the loft with Santana mm-hmm. and Rachel. And, you know, I was going to add that for as much of like as mean as they are to each other and, and as like not great of people as they're being I do think this whole plot line is really funny like they're really mm-hmm. good at like getting the jokes and landing the jokes and, and having those comedic beats they really sell this this plot line I don't think it would work if it wasn't for the fact that they all really do a great job of being so funny so I agree. And the, the loft, ar- the argument or the family meeting in the loft, I was rolling the entire time. I was laughing so hard. So, yeah, let's get into that. With, um, Kurt calls a meeting and he's basically trying to get Rachel and Santana to kind of work out their differences. And mm-hmm. they instead decide to be really petty and juvenile about it. <laughs> <laughs> you broke this. This is yeah. broken. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Squirrels coming out of... <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that. I think I saw a squirrel come out of the back of your head. Um, oh, man. Well, then, because this leads to... And I'm assuming maybe, uh, you know, Elliot and, of course, Danny probably had a conversation, you know, otherwise, but... That, you know, Pamela Lansbury is officially dead, even though Rachel's like, oh, we can totally be professionals. And it's like, mm, no, we probably couldn't. Um, right. No, we couldn't. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. So, <laughs> so, kill each other on stage, probably. <laughs> could you imagine? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> so they call. Uh, so um, Kurt's like, Pamela Lansbury is officially dead, and its ashes rises uh, one, tree, one three hill. Mm-hmm. Which is a playoff of the TV show One Tree Hill. Um, I don't know if it has any more significance other than that was a teen show in the like early aughts. Um, I think, I think just it's just like a play. Yeah. 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 Of course, the European people don't get it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> One Tree Hill was a show. It was not very good, but it was... Yeah, it was. It was kind it was, of a cult classic. Yeah, it was kind of, it was a 
It was after Dawson's Creek. It was one of the Dawson's Creek It was Creek like ones. Gilmore Girls-ish? Or... Uh-huh. I know I Gilmore Girls. Yeah, it was like Gilmore Girls meets Dawson's Creek meets... The I don't know. It was another CW show. Yeah. Um, and that was just a... Um, a network that produced a lot of, they still do produce a lot of like teen themed well, television shows. Superheroes now, isn't that what the Flash? Yeah, is? well they have this. Uh, well they have that. They have uh, Flash and Supergirl, and they also have I think iZombie is on there, and one other one that I can't think of right now. But it's a very like teen centric. Uh, oh, uh, the other superhero one, Green something, Green Arrow. So mm-hmm. they do a lot of like that genre of TV. And back then, uh, Veronica Mars, if you ever watched that, that was on that show for the, that show was on that network first. So like it was, it's, I mean, it wasn't the best TV you've ever watched, but it was, um, it was okay. Is it you think it's something <laughs> that Kurt watched or was it something that they like? Oh, it was definitely something that Kurt watched. Um, <laughs> It's very, like, uh, one of the girls in it, uh, have you guys ever heard of the band Fall Out Boy? I have, but just because I work with lots of music. Right. They got, they got really popular, I don't want to say because of that show, their fans would kill me, but they were on that show a lot, uh, when they were, weren't super mainstream yet, um, because of what the, one of the people on the show, uh, was like really into punk rock. So, I mean, it's just, it was just a just a silly show that a lot of people my our age really liked because I think it started when I was like a junior or a senior. All right. So, um, I do have to say, I think one funny part is when, um, Kurt's like, you know what? We have this trio. You come to callbacks and listen to us. And he plops it down and we all wondered what Ellie or Danny's last name was. And it turns out she doesn't have one. It just says this is Danny. <laughs> just She's says Kurt Rommel and Elliot Gilbert and Danny. <laughs> I mean, I, I wonder if they were pretty well aware that this was D- Demi Lovato's last episode. And um, is it her last episode? Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. Um, but before we get to talking more about Danny, um, we do get the scene at callbacks where, um, Rachel and Santana come in and they agree to be nice to each other because Santana doesn't want to get blood on her nice leather dress thing. Um, and then uh, Kurt has this um, interesting performance. Inter- he doesn't usually get to sing you, oh, when it's not his plot line, so it's interesting that he gets this particular song. But then when you think about it, this is Demi Lovato and Adam Lambert, and it makes sense a little bit more that they want to have them sing more. Um so after giving this giant speech about the, the death of Pamela Lansbury um, and kind of throwing shade at Rachel and Santana, they sing a song called The Happening. And yeah, what do you guys, uh, any thoughts on this one? I feel like I'm talking a lot, so I'm going to let you guys talk. I feel bad. Uh- I love it. I think they look stunning. Uh, every one of them. Uh, yeah. Um, so and they. It's just um, the um, the overall atmosphere in the bar is so uh, like old fashioned, and they look mm-hmm. so great. And I, I um I used to play in a band, so I've played this number several times, and it's just uh, yeah, I love everything about this number and. 
I hate that they uh, didn't continue this uh, trio because they <laughs> sound so great. And I don't know if if I just uh, like see this performance and uh, compares K- uh, Kurt's performance to, for instance, um, the story of my life where he's so awkward and here he's just super confident and sexy and amazing thriving so it's yeah i love the performance and it's it's so strange to see kurt on stage here compared to like the story of my life or some of the other performances where he's a bit awkward mm-hmm. so i think I, he he does well in the group like this i don't know what, yeah. well and i think I, that, oh so go ahead, go I, ahead. I completely agree. I love the performance. I love how they sound. I love how Demi Lovato, I love her, her voice. And she's so great. And Adam Lambert, I said he's in four songs in this episode. So I love him. Uh, whenever he's on the show, he's he should have more screen time. And I love Kurt in this episode, so, uh, in, this, in this song. So it's a great song and I love it. I completely love it. And um, I love that at least at this point, Rachel and Santana can have a little bit of a of a truce. Do you call it truce? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, to just for this, that's what they say for the sake of Kurt. Yeah. Because they have been so mean to Kurt. I have, I felt that's what what I wanted to say. So they were all all of them were so mean. He was all the time. He was trying to to find a way for them to get together, to see that they can be in peace and that they can work things out. And everybody just walked over him, even Elliot a little bit. And and at least here they 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 said, okay, for the sake of Kurt, we will try to to be uh, civil and not to overreact and whatever. So and they they can enjoy the the number and the number is great i love it yeah. can i just say it it reminds me a lot of uh, the playfulness that's um just can't get enough in the um i do episode mm-hmm. uh, probably because he's wearing the suit <laughs> but also i think they are so playful and it's like um he seems so much more relaxed uh, i don't mean to downplay his I don't know, ambitions as a um, a performer, a Broadway actor, but he sometimes gets to um, sort of uptight or I don't know if he's anxious or Mm -hmm. what it is, but when in performances like this or the one with Blaine in I Do, you can see he's he's so relaxed and just uh, oozing of charisma instead of being, you know, trying to impress everyone and trying to play a role. So this, yeah, it's, uh, and actually I was just re-watching it now. Um, and the the way he's performing the, the uh, choreography is very much like the um, just can't get enough number. <laughs> well, yeah, and a, a couple of thoughts to jump off of what you guys are saying. Uh, first of all, he doesn't do jazzy numbers very often, so it's an interesting change of pace to get this very jazz lounge feel, which is what they're definitely going for, and I think it plays really well, and it's a shame that Glee 
sometimes it has a tendency to stick to what it knows. So it, once it, when it gets out of its box a little bit, um, it's kind of refreshing to watch them do something like this. But also, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Kurt is also his, sometimes his own worst enemy because for something that we'll talk more about, like when we get to the backup plan, when he's trying to perform for somebody else and he's very aware of himself, he tenses up and he gets anxious and he gets awkward. And I'm thinking of like that or animal back in sexy when he's trying to be Mm -hmm. sexy. Um, You know, times that he's trying, when he's trying to be something that like, you know, the West side story editions, when he's trying to do the um, Romeo and Juliet edition. um, Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, Like he's (laughs) an awkward little duckling um, that we love him, but like, when he's just himself, he he definitely can own a room and when he's just mm-hmm. allowed to be, you know, his him, himself and that kind of charisma, his own kind of charisma, which is definitely different than Blaine's, but not in a bad way. Um, it, it kind of comes alive. And this this is a really nice song to showcase that. Um, so that's my two cents on that. Um. So, um, kind of moving forward, we have, after this, we have Rachel and Santana having this little, um, conversation. They're, they're civil to each other and they basically both, both admit that they don't have other female friends and it's a shame that they were always so competitive and still so competitive because, you know, having a female friend is nice to have because it's different than having male friends, which I agree with, um, and they kind of fourth wall break the, the fact that like, hey, you know, we could have gotten along, but I guess we're not. So that's a shame. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, Glee, you, you could have done something with this and yet you chose to do this. So, um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I would agree. It was... Mm, uh, how do I want to say this? I feel like it kind of falls back on something that Glee does a lot where it's like, we could have had it all, but it didn't happen that way. So sometimes I get a little tired of that. Like she has a similar conversation. Rachel has a similar conversation with Santana in season three. And it's like, it's kind of like, I feel like they're relearning the same lessons and they're not learning from them. But that's just my own personal thing and probably me maybe expecting a little too much. And it's also the same with Mercedes a lot of the times Mm -hmm. when they, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't be friends with your competition, blah, blah, blah. They, they tend to, uh, I think, I don't know why, but I think the writers tend to always um, isolate Rachel sort of, she doesn't have many female friends. And that's like, uh, that goes from the beginning where she's super alone, doesn't have any friends at all. And she continues to be sort of uh, alienating herself from her female possible friends because they could be better than her or or they could be, you know, challenging her in a way. So Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I I think they, they do it. I don't know why. I don't like that part of her but I think it's something that's consistent at least uh, and sad for her there (laughs) is in season one there's this story about this girl who is incredibly ambitious and I don't want to paint that as a bad thing I do think that there are people out there who are very ambitious and there's nothing wrong with that 
And sometimes when you are a person who is really trying to make it at a thing, you are often lonely because you are not going with the group. You are being outside of it. In season mm-hmm. one, I think the narrative works really well because Rachel literally does not have anyone else with the exception of her growing feelings for Finn. By the time we get to this point, the, the part that makes it sometimes frustrating is that Rachel has since forged all of these other relationships. And it's, you know, to watch her go back to this season one type of, like, insecurity that, you know, forging these relationships may make her weaker or may, you know, stray her from her course or this mistrust of people that might actually care for her. You know, it's something that Rachel, you know, her character is always going to have struggles with because um, just because of how it was in her past. But it is sometimes frustrating to watch as well when you're like, okay, you know, you know, just because all of these other characters are, you know, at least better in some respect of, you know, holding on to relationships in some way or another. And Rachel just does not have those skills. And Mm -hmm. who's to say that she ever really will? Um, But... Yeah. Yeah, but it's a trait I, I used to dislike about her, but now uh, when rewatching several times, I I just feel sad for her mm-hmm. that she doesn't how to say dare to uh, be to connect with people that could challenge her. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, well not, not men like but for roles for like Santana or Mercedes or even Tina in Pregus. Yep. Um, yep. So yeah, it's, uh, I think it's, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like when rewatching Glee uh, <laughs> several times, um, <laughs> I feel I, I got more and more sympathetic for Rachel because I see that she has a lot of like trust issues and she doesn't really value herself or anything but her talent. So she doesn't dare to compromise that in any way because she's so afraid of losing that one thing she has. Mm-hmm. So she loses her friends over it, like she called uh, Kurt a traitor and she like in enemies with Santana. And it's, yeah, I, I now I think it's sad, but I used to get angry. So, yeah. Uh, the only time... I guess a couple of thoughts come to mind. Uh, the only time I've ever been really mad is looking back. Cause I think I'm now at your point where I just find a lot of it sad, but I'm still frustrated with some of the writing stuff that they did. And it's mostly in season three that I have the biggest issues, mm-hmm. but most of the time it's, it's just kind of a sadness that she, she has been told her entire life that she is good at one thing and mm-hmm. to challenge that one thing makes her incredibly insecure because she feels as if she's, she's not good at that one thing, then she's not worth anything. And mm-hmm. it's kind of unfortunate that the show never, the show just lets her be good at that one thing and it never lets her fail. Um, I mean, it does a little bit, it will a little bit with when she drops out of the musical and she gets that show and she fails, but it's unfortunate they never let her feel worthy for being her. And not because of this one thing, but whatever. I guess that's just going off on a huge other tangent. And that's uh, that's similarly how I feel. And But for me, it's more of a writing standpoint. I feel like they don't... So many times the writers don't know how to write her. And so they put her in this box and say that she's this thing when she's more than that. And so for me, it's more of a writing issue than anything else. 
Um, I will say it is nice that when Rachel gets, when Mercedes gets over to New York, they're allowed to have a friendship at that point because they're Mm -hmm. no longer competing against each other. So it is nice that they will get to have at least one really good, you know, I mean, I I do think Marley and Unique's female-female friendship was really good too, but... I think they just have one conversation where, where they are like friends, mm-hmm. like when when they when they have that conversation about um, relationships and 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 Sadie's feeling ready to have to be intimate or whatever. They, that's the only point where, where where there's a kind of a friendship thing with really friendship thing with Mercedes. That one right. one moment, that one scene. The good thing about that scene, though, is it's implied that it happens more often than what we actually see. Yeah. So I would. mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's a very it's not like they're like, oh, we never do this. We should do it more often. It's implied that this is something that they do regularly. They get together, just the two of them to talk. So I think it's good for both of them. Um, so at the end of this little scene, Kurt comes in with cronuts. Why is all eating the cronuts? Um, and so Blaine's addiction does not come out of nowhere. Um, no, and <laughs> that's, a, that's a conversation for another. Yeah, podcast, that's so. a wait for twenty-five million hours. <laughs> um, but he comes in and he's like, "Oh, you guys are playing along," and. You know, I am a little sad that this is the end of Danny's arc. Like, like Adam, like so many people and characters before, they start off something really well, and you know, it just gets dropped. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened or why or whatever. It doesn't really matter. But like, you know, Santana and Danny like say two lines to each other, and that's about it. And that's the end of Demi Lovato. Mm-hmm. They have a cute little cheek kiss, and that's it. Is this the last appearance of Elliot as well? No, Elliot will be back in New York. Ah, he's back in New York. Yes, yes, you're right. But didn't they mention Danny in the last episode of season five? Something uh, roller derby-ish? Well, um, they mentioned her twice more. Um. When Britannia is getting back together in the 100th episode celebration stuff, yeah. um, they mentioned, uh, you know, Brittany says something like, I'm so much better than your girlfriend or something like that. And then um, in Chris's episode, um, Old Dog New, New Tricks, he mentions that his band is on hi- hiatus because Danny is at a roller derby thing and Elliot yeah. at a yoga <laughs> retreat. Yes. Um, <laughs> right. Because Chris manages to remember these things. Um, <laughs> sometimes I don't think the writers do. Um, but yeah. So, okay. So that leads us to the final performance and, and, um, kind of bringing both plot lines together. Um, we have this, just the the thing that I really love, they sing, hold on. And, Mm -hmm. um, the thing that I really love about this is that you can hear all of the people singing. You can hear, you know, Rachel and Santana and the four seniors and, and, um, Elliot and Danny and Kurt. And it's mm-hmm. one of the first times that they, instead of using backup singers and auto-tuning it to death and everything, you can hear all of these individual voices. And it sounds so cool. And I'm like, Glee, why were you not doing this the whole time? Because I love it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds really good. I love that song. And they sound really good on it. 
Yeah, I love it too. It's it's a great song, and I love to watch it in in the scene, and I love to hear it. If if I just listen to the MP3, some some songs you only like on the MP. I only like on the MP3, and I don't like watching it. And mm -hmm. some songs are great if I see it in the episode, but I don't like to just listen to it because it only works with the visual. Mm -hmm. But this song is some it's a song that works both ways. It works as the visual and it works as the MP3. It's a great song and I love it. Well, it's kind of fun because you've got I have a theory as to why Santana is sitting with this guy who's drinking stuff out of a paper bag. Um <laughs> like you have this quartet of seniors that are singing and then you have the trio And then Rachel's a solo, so that means Santana has to have a duet with somebody. So she's singing with some <laughs> random guy outside of the, the diner. Um, so, that's funny. Yeah, that's why I always figured he, it's like quartet, trio, duet, solo. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but yeah. Uh, great. So, so that kind of brings us to the end of the, the episode. Was there anything else that you guys wanted to add before we wrap it up? Uh, I don't know if you. Uh, sorry, you go first, Carmen. I should okay. The only thing I have uh, also in my in my notes is that because so it, it it relates to Sam because Sam is I should say Sam is my most favorite character um, male character um, out of so so. Um, There's of course there's Kurt and Blaine, but then the next one is Sam. So he's he's my favorite character except Blaine, uh, Clayne. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's sad that they didn't give him a nice story because they only set him up with all the girls in the show, almost all the girls in the show. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of the backup guy for all the girls. He is the the nice guy. If any girl needs a nice um, relationship, they put them up with Sam mm -hmm. for some time, and that's it. And he never gets a nice relationship, a nice possibility for a relationship. And I feel so sad for him because he's such a nice, kind guy who never has any prejudices, who is kind to everybody, who always sees the heart in the people, He always sees their 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 inner values. He never sees, you know, if they're straight or what body shape they have or whatever. He only sees the true value of the person. And still, they don't give him a nice relationship. I don't get it. But do do you like? How do you feel about Sam Sadie's though? Because I do think that ultimately that that's a good relationship, and that they hint at. And in the in the finale script, they actually were going to put them back together. I'm not sure why they didn't. But um. I'm not sure because they don't really. They they in the in the end they say he's Mercedes says something like he's with some girl or whatever. So they don't really put them together. But I would love to see Sam and Mercedes together because I love them as a as a couple. And I'll, um. I, I hate that they don't give him a nice relationship. He's set up like the guy, you know, like that, like a kind of womanizer guy. I don't know who, you know, <laughs> I I don't like it. Oh. I would have liked for Sam to have a nice relationship because he's such a kind guy. So he would deserve it, but he doesn't get it. Yeah. So I hate it. 
Yeah, it's, it is a little sad that he often gets used as a placeholder for other things. Mm-hmm. Like, we need a nice yeah. guy for the girls to be with. Yeah, He's so. the backup boyfriend, mm-hmm. so it's, <laughs> it's not nice. <laughs> so that's my final note for the episode. Uh, Annie, was there something else that you wanted to mention? Um, yeah, I just want to say that I I love this episode overall because I um, I think Ian Brennan he writes uh, uh, or he didn't write I think he directed it perhaps I don't know I, like I think that. he was involved in the episode I I love how he often writes the best like crackingly uh, mm-hmm. comedic uh, silly uh, you know the the arguments between Santana and. Rachel and a lot of the things happening in, during the lock-in. I, I think um, my favorite uh, kind of glee is the silly glee, the cracky glee. And I think this episode works really well. You have not too many characters, and you have definite like you have relationships between them, but you still get to do a lot of comedy not only drama so i think this episode works for me it's in my like top 20 i think uh, so yeah i love it and i think they um i think they did a very good job with the comedy in this one mm, i agree i agree I too agree. and i think that yeah. one of the neat things even though at this point you know it is just like okay we need to get to graduation we need to get the story moving forward <laughs> I, I really love that season five continued to be fun and be mm-hmm. like, you know, they amped up the comedy and you have all of these episodes that even if they're a little bit filler, they're still good episodes or they, right. they, they're true to the characters. They're still comedic. You can still like, you know, you enjoy the songs. Um, and even if this episode, like, you know, I just look at, you know, Chorio may not be at the top of my season five list, but, you know, even being at the bottom of the season five list, I think is better than a lot of the other yeah. rest of the series. So, um, so yeah. yeah. Season five and season three are my favorite seasons. So it's season five, season five always has something that is, yeah, that I can like. And it, it's the songs or it's part of the story, even if it's not so much Clayne or not so much Kurt, it's still uh, a different storytelling than uh for example season three uh season four has been well yeah and look, i mean oh. there's no claim in this episode whatsoever and yet we can sit and say and there i mean you know kurt doesn't have a huge part of it blaine is one part of this you know smaller yeah. section and we can still sit here and say this is a great episode it's really a lot of fun yeah um, that's right so yeah. So, yeah. Can I just say season five and season three? No, it's what, season five and season two. Okay, I, I wasn't going to was say anything because <laughs> you guys all know how I feel about season three. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm not going to... Please edit this out. Season two and five. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there are people who legitimately love season three and I'm, I'm okay. They are allowed their I was so I was so <laughs> impressed by you, Pam, for keeping quiet. I was, I was too. I was like, ooh. <laughs> Way know, to go, Pam. It's her first time on the podcast. I'm not going to say and yell at somebody that never has been on one before. I won't do that. Uh, <laughs> I can be professional occasionally. <laughs> um, and sometimes people have their reasons. I know that, like, you know, some people, I will not name them. Maybe I'll get their initials RB. Um, 
like season three. But um, no, it's okay. It's all good. There are definitely some episodes in season three there that are. I love. Yeah, there but are not some. the whole no no not the whole season, of but. course. <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, this has been a fantastic conversation. I want to thank you guys for coming on. Carmen, thank you for doing this for the first time. Annie, I'm so Yay. glad we got to have you on this one. Bethany, <laughs> thank you, um, Bethany, thank you for uh, coming because uh, Connie unfortunately couldn't make it today, so I'm I'm glad you could step in too. Um, so yeah. Um, we're kind of wrapping this one up. Join us next Sunday night when we will be talking about City of Angels. And we have a great evening. feel so young you make me feel like spring has